Welcome to the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute podcast, episode eight, Surviving an Audit. Welcome to the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute podcast, where we are building profitable food businesses, one product, one process, one thought at a time. Now here's your host, Dr. Michelle Fannin-Steele. Hello and welcome. You know, once a month I get a call, hey doc, I need to pass a third party audit in a month. Can you help me? Well, folks, if that's you, you need to listen up, my friends, because this podcast is going to walk you through that whole conversation. I work with clients to pass audits all the time. I do audits. I'm a certified HACCP auditor. I audited for the Army. I do internal audits. People, I know auditing. And I know this. You must understand what audits are and what they are not. You must understand how much work goes into them and whether or not it's worth it before you sign up for one. Because seriously, audits can be super expensive and you will save so much money by making a reasonable decision on whether to invest the time, money, and energy into an audit. And after this podcast, you'll have the confidence you need in your decision and frankly less anxiety because you will have made a decision. And as you go out and you build the business that you were meant to build, you're going to really understand if and how audits are a part of that. Because isn't that where the confusion lies? Are you supposed to be doing this? What do your customers want? What do they say they want? And what are they actually asking for? Because frankly, it really isn't all that clear. And sometimes it's not even all that clear to me. And I do this for a living. So we are going to clear all of that up. Um, and so we're just going to dive in. But I got to let you in on a little secret. Audits, my friends, in food and food safety are a way of life. You are going to have audits, and the question is mostly who's actually do it th doing them. Because there are three kinds of audits that you have to be thinking about. You have internal audits, okay? Most folks in, in, at the start of their business aren't thinking about them, but we're going to talk a lot about those. You have external audits. That's mostly what people are talking about when they get a third-party audit. But then you have regulatory audits. That's when the USDA or the FDA or the state or somebody comes in and swabs your whole entire facility, looks at your food safety plan for three weeks. Those are called regulatory audits, and they happen, and they happen often. And you have to know what they mean and what they don't mean. So let's dive right on into that. Let's start with internal audits. After you have gotten all your education and training, done all your prerequisite programs, and actually put your food safety plan into place, you need to start doing internal audits. You need to be able to take a step back, take a deep breath, and ask yourself, am I doing what I said I would do? And what you do is, is you go back and you look at all the pieces of paper that you've created, all the logs, all the records, all the standard operating procedures, and say, do we do it this way? Are we actually doing it the way that it's written? And if so, how do I prove it? That's an internal audit process. There are formal and less formal ways of doing this. But the easiest way that I have found to do this is by 
taking all of the things that you've created, all your prerequisite programs, all your food safety plans, okay, and you divide them into four, okay, and you do a quarter of it each quarter of the month. So January is coming up. So take December and look at your whole food safety binder and divide it into quarters. Whether you want to do, if you know, say you have four HACCP plans and you look at one HACCP plan a quarter, or you have 24 prerequisite programs plus a couple of HACCP plans. Take that total number, say it's 26, divide it into four as best you can because of course we know you're going to divide it into six things with some left over, okay? And commit, schedule it, put it on your calendar that if you have six things to look at a quarter, they're 12 weeks in a quarter, you're going to sit down with one of your SOPs and one of your HACCP plans on a Monday morning, you're going to reread it, you're going to mark it up, and over the course of the week, you're going to look at the pieces of paper that that SOP created or that that HACCP plan created and see whether or not you're doing what you said you did and recording it. And then, and this is super key because what do we say around here? You miss more by not looking than by not knowing. You're going to walk out onto your production floor and you're going to watch people. And this is how you do it. <laughs> you go to your production floor, you put on your battle rattle, as we call it, hair nets, beard nets, boots, gloves, hats, whatever it is that you put on. You take your clipboard and you walk in and you, like you normally would, right? You walk in and you talk to people and people are going to see a clipboard in your hand and a pen in your other hand. And they're going to be super nervous. And they're going to be like, oh my God, what's the boss doing? What's QA doing? I'm getting looked at. And they are going to be super perfect for somewhere between 90 seconds and three minutes. So all you have to do is be able to stand there with your eyes and ears open and look around you for more than three minutes and you'll be able to do all the observations necessary for an internal audit. That's it. And then, this is the tricky part, you actually write down what you see and you have to go and fix it. <laughs> okay, now, the issue with writing down what you see and going to fix it is, is you will come up with a list of problems. Problems are inevitable in doing food production if you're doing it well and you're observing yourself doing it well. Go out and solve those problems. Okay, we have that strive model that we can work with you on when you discover that, you know, maybe your sanitation isn't working as well as you thought it was supposed to be. Or maybe your supplier plans aren't working as well as they were supposed to be. Solve your problems, but you're not going to figure out what problems you have to solve without doing the observations and the reading of your prereq programs and your HACCP plan that you need to be doing. That, my friends, is really internal auditing. Just make sure you cover everything in your plan once a year and spread it out because that just makes it a lot easier and you'll do it a lot better if you're not cramming. That's internal audits. Okay, external audits. Getting a third-party audit. What does this mean? Well, once you have your food safety plan in place, once you have your own internal auditing plan in place and you're actually executing it, then is the time to think about a third-party audit. And a third-party audit is when you ask somebody else to come in and audit your system and ask the question, are you doing what you said you would do? And is it helpful for controlling food safety hazards? That's what a third-party audit is. You can get a third-party audit, and I'm going to start with like the least complicated and go to the more complicated. 
you start with getting a good manufacturing practices audit. And that's where somebody comes in and says, do you create the conditions to create safe food? They look at your floors, walls, and ceilings. They look at your bathrooms. They figure out whether or not your water is 110 degrees in the bathroom for people to wash their hands, uh, whether or not you are generally following good manufacturing practices, okay? They will hand you a document that says these are what you have to meet in order to pass our audit. I highly recommend reading that before signing up for the audit. And you will pay them money, and you will pay them money whether or not you pass. So that's a good manufacturing practices audit. Once you can pass a GMP audit, then you go and you get a HACCP audit and a third-party HACCP audit. Now, there are different kinds of third-party HACCP audits. Not all of them are as confusing as some of the higher-order audits. So if you're just doing GMP and HACCP, it's probably a one-day process, and you can do it through several auditing houses. I used to do them. I don't do them anymore. But the, the passing of a non-benchmarked, as we say, third-party audit uh, shouldn't really take you all that long. And once you're in production, I don't know, six months, you should be able to do it. When you pass your GMP audit and your HACCP audit, and you fix all the things wrong that you were supposed to fix, that's the time when you would start looking at passing a higher level audit. Now there's this whole set of audits out there that you've probably heard of and they're called SQF and BRC and they all come from something called the Global Food Safety Initiative. These are ISO audits for the food industry. Okay, ISO is the International Standards Organization. It came out of the Navy after the Vietnam War when the Navy looked around and said, hmm, did we actually get what we paid for? Did we know what we were trying to buy? And is it useful to us? And can we keep track of it? All right, those are kind of the questions that an ISO audit or an ISO system answers. And then audits go back in and say, okay, well, did you, what, you know, what were the results of that? Did you do what you said you were going to do? We do the same thing in food. This ISO system in food came up out of the big foodborne illness outbreaks uh, in the early aughts. You know, we had uh, the spinach outbreak, rather closely mirrored by the romaine lettuce outbreak, my friends. And we had um, the Peanut Corporation of America had a really big recall uh, and killed several people and their owners and, and quality assurance people are actually in jail right now. The industry looked around and they said, our regulatory infrastructure, that is the USDA and the FDA, are not sufficient for us to gain trust or regain trust really at that point in uh, with our target markets and so they instituted a hundred percent voluntary auditing systems okay and they created the global food safety initiative and i want to emphasize that internal audits and external audits are a hundred percent voluntary they are something that you do to meet a customer requirement. If your customers don't have the requirement, then don't do it, okay? I, I'm the odd food safety person that says don't get audited, but I have to tell you, audits take a lot of work, and unless your customers require them, don't do them. If your customers do not require a Global Food Safety Initiative benchmarked audit like SQF, which stands for Safe Quality Food, or BRC, which stands for the British Regulatory Commission, don't do it. The audits themselves are five to 
like, you know, like plus travel and things like that. But preparing for the audits is a significant expense. And you have to prepare for the audits. You have to do rigorous internal audits that, you know, it's probably 25% full-time equivalency for somebody in your in your facility. You have to have somebody dedicated full-time, basically, to quality assurance in order to pass an ISO audit. So if somebody is asking for SQF or BRC audits, ask yourself the question, how much money do I stand to gain by getting this contract? If that is not at least a 50% ROI on the amount of money it's gonna cost you to undertake the audit, don't do it, okay? So you gotta think about what that means. Mostly what that means is the time, talent, and treasure it takes to pay people to execute your food safety system to the letter of the law and to the letter of how you have written it down and pay somebody to check up on them, all right? Then you have to pay for the audit itself, which is pales in comparison to the cost of actually creating the systems to actually pass the audit. And so I would say a reasonable cutoff is $100,000. If you are not going to make at least $100,000 in profit, okay, not in net revenue, because you have to subtract out cost of goods sold. If you're not gonna make $100,000 in profit, going for a global food safety initiative benchmark scheme isn't worth it. It's just not. It's, and, and go pursue other clients who are not asking for it. And then if your client really, really, really wants you and can commit to the volume of product that makes it worth it, knock yourself out, go get it done, but don't do it until you're actually making at least $100,000 in profit. That's the trick to, to external audits, to third-party audits. If you're interested in finding out more about it, you know, of course, you can, you can book a blueprint appointment with me, but that's, I mean, really, that's where it starts, okay? So then, now that we have kind of the voluntary audits out of the way, let's talk about your regulatory audits because for people, these are not voluntary. This is when the USDA or the FDA or the state shows up, knocks on your door and says, hi, I'm from the government and we're here to help. And I'm not kidding, that might actually be what some of them say. <laughs> so your regulatory audits are gonna be conducted by whichever agency regulates you. Now, if you're a restaurant, you're pretty used to these. This is your food inspector coming around and taking temperatures and looking in your fridge and your walk-in, right? In USDA, in your first year of production, you will have something called an FSA, which is a food safety assessment. That FSA will happen within uh, after your 90-day validation and before a year is up. And then after that, it, they should not be nearly as often and they should not be nearly as comprehensive as your first one. They've started targeting them so that they're just looking at one thing, like your raw ready-to-eat uh, ready process, uh, or which I guess in, in USDA terms is not actually raw, but your cured ready-to-eat process, um, or your smoking process, or just your ground beef trim. They'll do it very, very targeted, and they are not gonna camp out in your facility for three weeks anymore, for which we are all extremely grateful. For the FDA, it actually looks a little different. Your FDA audits, what I have observed over probably the past two years in the marketplace is that the FDA will show up and do what we call a swabathon. Now, it is my understanding the FDA really, really hates that, but 
Oh well, that's what we call it. So a swabathon is is when the FDA shows up because you're a regulated facility, either you are a fisheries plant or you're under preventive controls for human foods and you make a ready to eat food, that's really the highest risk. And they come in and they say, we are here to swab. And they spend, a, oh, I don't know, one and a half days to three days, depending on how big your facility is. And they take between 100 and 300 swabs, primarily for listeria. They will be in your facility. They will be in full Tyvek suits. They will be uh, swabbing places that you had absolutely no idea were supposed to be swabbed. They will swab underneath your speed racks. They will swab the wheels of absolutely every piece of equipment you own. They'll swab under tables. They'll swab on top of tables. They'll look at your labels. They'll look at everything. It's pretty comprehensive, and at the end of it, you're going to get a 483 where they discuss findings. Now, if you're super unlucky, your swabs will turn up positive, and then you have problems. And we can deal with them, but know that they are swabbing looking for things. And if your swabbing program isn't already out there in front of them looking for things, then your swabbing program is insufficient because you have to find them before the FDA does or even the USDA does. So you'll get from the FDA what's called a 483, and then you'll have to answer that 483. That can be a complex and time-consuming process, and I am not kidding. It can take years to get that 483 answered. They do not come back and close things out the way the USDA does. It can be stressful, but you've got to deal with it. That's, the, that's what happens when you, especially when you make a ready-to-eat food under, under the FDA. At some point, they will come in and they will look around and they will uh, write you up for the things that, that they don't like. So it's super helpful to actually be in front of that and do your own internal auditing process first. Okay, so thanks so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure to have you. We look forward to seeing you next week for our next podcast. Hey there, if you like what we talk about on this podcast, you just have to join us over at the Power Group. We take all this material and we study it, and then we take it to the next level and we apply it. Join us by going to sfbdi.com slash powergroup. That's sfbdi.com slash powergroup. You've been listening to Dr. Michelle Fannin-Steele on the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute podcast. We hope you loved the show. For more information and show notes, please find us at sfbdi.com. Thanks for listening.